Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we look back at Willie Gay Jr.'s first training camp press conference as he addresses the upcoming season. Also, in the Chiefs Wire roundtable, we break down the toughest matchups for the Chiefs this upcoming season, as well as our predictions on the scores. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Hey, Charles, are you surprised by the Chiefs' announcement of limited fan attendance and tailgating at Arrowhead Stadium this season? I'm not really surprised that the Chiefs are leading the way for the rest of the league when it comes to fan attendance. I mean, if you'll recall, the team was also the first in the NFL to submit an infectious disease emergency response plan and then subsequently get it approved by the league. They've been leading the way doing the legwork and research to figure out the ways to make this season work. And not just training camp and in their own facility, but also to be able to have fans attending games this season at Arrowhead Stadium. So they worked in coordination with the mayor and public health officials to figure out a plan for this. Is the plan foolproof? Absolutely not. Uh, It's ultimately going to come down to the personal responsibility of every fan in attendance to make it a safe experience uh, and make it possible for the entirety of the 2020 NFL season. So I I think it's easy to be skeptical about this right now just because of what's going on, the things we're seeing happening daily, college football, the cancellations happening – But really, I think the team is going to have a better idea of how things will work after they have these two upcoming fan days at Arrowhead Stadium later this month. They'll have 2,000 and then 5,000 fans in attendance as sort of a dry run for the season. Once they have that happen, I think they're going to understand the different policies that they're going to be enforcing and uh, the different things that they're going to have to do to keep fans safe while they're there at the game keep the employees of the team safe while they're there at the game. Then, of course, the players, uh, coaching staff, so on and so forth. Um, And once you have the the 17,000 fans or so um, in for the first three games, the Chiefs will either provide, I guess, a a blueprint for other NFL teams to then reopen their stadiums. Because you have to remember, a lot of teams right now, they're – They're not reopening. They're either saying the first part of the season, we're not going to have fans, or they're saying we're not going to have fans at all. Uh, The the Las Vegas Raiders, for instance, they are not going to have fans at their stadium this season. Um, Or the Chiefs are going to end up being an example of what you shouldn't do and be forced to close their doors. Obviously, that'd be a huge disappointment, and I don't think things are trending that way, but It's all a we'll see at this point. I'd like to think they're capable and able to provide the former, to provide the blueprint for the rest of the NFL to then go and coordinate with their local officials, their mayors, et cetera, to be able to open up their stadiums. But it's really going to come down to this wait and see what happens. How confident are you in Breland Speaks having a bounce back season? Yeah, I think that Speaks is primed for a very big year. He's already starting things off on the right foot, and that's really important. First off, he showed up to training camp looking great. He's literally in the best shape of his life right now. If you'll recall, in 2019, he showed up to training camp looking overweight and kind of a little bit lumpy. 
Now, he performed a little bit better uh, once camp got going and whatnot, but then, of course, he has the injury, goes on injured reserve, spends 2019 on injured reserve. Now, he spent this offseason working with one of his trainers back home that he had first started working with back in the seventh grade. So this is someone he's been working with for a very long time who had some some he had some trust with this person and uh, is also someone who kind of got him prepared and in shape and, and ready, you know, when he got recruited by by uh, by Ole Miss. So he, he kind of ran it back, so to speak, with his training. He also worked with uh, his former teammate at Ole Miss, uh, a fellow by the name of Isaac Gross who now trains athletes professionally. Um, And one of the things he started doing this offseason was doing a lot more running. And uh, that helped him trim down a little bit, cut off some of the the baby fat there, so to speak. Um, But the next thing, other other than his his body and getting in shape and uh, feeling good coming off the injury, the next thing is that the game is really starting to slow down for Speaks. You know, he talked about this a little bit the other day. Uh, when when he had media availability, but he's got Steve Spagnolo's system down. He was able to study that, you know, all season. He he was prepared for it last year, but but now he's been a year in the system, uh, so to speak, knowing the system, learning that playbook. So now he can really apply the concepts of the defense and focus on being a playmaker and making plays. So uh, there've been a few standout moments that I've heard about so far at training camp during uh, team drills from Speaks. I know a lot of people were worried about him possibly being on the roster bubble, but that's not the impression that I'm getting right now about Speaks, uh, given the different things that I've heard. I think he's going to make the roster, and I think that that he's going to have a big year. Who will be the odd man out during final cuts in the quarterback room? I don't think there will be an odd man out per se. I do think the Chiefs have been pretty clear with their plan right now just through their actions. Right now at training camp, there's only two guys really getting a ton of repetitions, and that's Patrick Mahomes and Chad Henney. I think they'll end up carrying just two quarterbacks on the active roster, on the 53-man roster. That's going to be Mahomes. And then Henney, who Andy Reid has expressly stated, is the number two quarterback as opposed to Matt Moore. So uh, get that one out of your head, Chiefs Kingdom. Chad Henney is the guy instead of Matt Moore for the number two quarterback. Then I think the Chiefs are going to carry both Moore and Jordan Tamu on the practice squad. Tamu at practice has been running the scout team defense. So he's pretending to be, you know, right now they're preparing for week one, Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson. He's pretending to be Deshaun Watson for uh, the, the, uh, the defense there as they're uh, going through and trying to game plan for, for week one. So um, I, I have a feeling that, that Tom is going to continue to run the scout team while more will be more of what I guess is considered a quarantine co- quarterback, quote unquote, quarantine quarterback. Um, he'll be in the team meetings and practice, but he's going to be the first guy called up if either Mahomes or Henny suffers an injury during the season. But that's the impression that I'm getting, how they're going to kind of roll with this. Um, I know a lot of teams are going to choose to keep three quarterbacks on the roster, but I think uh, for a team like the Chiefs, it's going to be more important to have that extra weapon on offense, be it an extra tight end, extra receiver, extra running back, what have you, instead of having um, an extra quarterback there. And then with the new practice squad rules, the expanded practice squad, the protected practice squad, and then having uh, up to six players who can have an unlimited number of accrued seasons, that makes it so that somebody like Matt Moore can actually be on the practice squad and, and really you have no risk of losing him or um, anything like that. So I, I, that's my expectation for, for what will happen there. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Definitely. Uh, there's a film study up that I posted there on the Chiefs' newest safety, Adrian Colbert. I think it's Colbert. Maybe it's Colbert. I, I, I'm not entirely sure how he pronounces his last name. But uh, Adrian 
uh, safety from the Miami Dolphins, was recently released, will be signed by the Kansas City Chiefs when he passes his COVID-19 screening. Um, it's just a quick three-play prospect type of piece, really showing some strengths and weaknesses to his game, uh, including a moment from Week 17 uh, of last se- season when the uh, Dolphins played the Patriots. And that's a game that ended up being quite important for the Chiefs in securing the number one seed in the AFC. Be sure to check that out. We have a ton, a ton of content on training camp right now from injury updates at practice every day. There's really just a ton of new information coming out of Arrowhead Stadium each and every day. And it's it's, it's tough to keep up with it, uh, even on my end. But we're trying to sift through it, find the most important stuff and get it to you guys. There's a nice takeaway post. Uh, which rounds up some of the things so far that that we've been able to decipher over the first three padded practices and then the 10-10-10 practice that they had before breaking on Tuesday. They're back at it, uh, you know, as of Wednesday, more padded practices. And, um, you know, there's going to be some great things coming up. So thank you guys so much, uh, as always, for for listening and uh, for reading the website every week. We appreciate you guys tuning in and reading the website. Go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back. It's that time again. It's time for the Chiefs Wire Roundtable. Got Mitch Carney, Talon Graff. Guys, how's it going? Yeah, it's, good. Yeah, it's, go, it's going well. Glad, glad to hear your guys' voice. See, that's how you know it's going good when, when you both want to jump in at the same time. That's how you know. <laughs> that's how you know we are ready. We're only a couple of weeks away from the start of regular season. We're going to have fans at Arrowhead Stadium. Let me just get a quick thought on that real quick since we that was like the big breaking news. Uh, Mitch, what are your thoughts on the fact that there are going to be fans at Arrowhead Stadium this year? Um, I'm kind of in between. Uh, I'm always, I'm kind of more cautious. You know, I want people to wear their masks and social distance. But I know it's a really big deal for Chiefs fans, especially like we just won the Super Bowl. Everybody wants to go and see them, you know, raise their banner. Um, so I'm kind of in between. I'm really happy that you're letting some fans come in and, you know, get that experience. But um, I just hope everybody stays safe, you know, and follows the guidelines that the Chiefs put in place for everybody. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mitch. I think it's uh, – the idea of it is really great. I love the fact that Arrowhead Stadium is – it's only Arrowhead because of the fans. And, and without fans, it's just another stadium. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. As long as everyone's safe and, and nobody's put, you know, in harm's way and everybody adheres to the rules and restrictions, yeah, I, I'm all for having fans. I just hope it, it it's well-regulated and, and nothing goes wrong. Definitely. We really want to make sure everyone's safe. That is the biggest priority when it comes to uh, a situation that no one's ever experienced before. I mean, we're in a pandemic. But uh, football's still going to go on. There's still going to be fans. About 22% capacity is what they're saying. We'll see what happens. But – Here's something that we are 100% on, and that's our topic for today. And it's the top five toughest opponents, in our opinion, and we're going to predict the scores of those games from this upcoming season with the Chiefs. So, once again, it's the top five toughest opponents. And um, this was another uh, suggestion from Mitch that we kind of remixed a little bit. So, uh, since, Mitch, once again, you proposed it, how about you start us off? Yeah, I think Talon came up with this one, but uh, I'll go ahead and start it off. Um, so, at number five, Talon, my bad. <laughs> hey, 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 it's all good. We're all part of a team here. I love it. So, uh, at number five, I got the Patriots. Uh, Kansas City goes week four. Um, that's a game that I think most people are excited to see. It's a new look from the Patriots. Cam Newton's now their starting quarterback. Uh, they got rid of Tom Brady this offseason. Um, the Patriots usually struggle in September. Um, they struggle in the early part of the season, so I could see the Patriots kind of like starting, you know, pretty slow to start the season. Uh, but week four, week five is when they kind of start to pick up, um, and that's when Kansas City plays them. They play in week four October, on October 4th. Um, 
I can really see the Patriots defense causing some matchup problems against the offense. Bill Belichick's really good in October. He can make things happen on defense that, you know, um, that maybe Patrick Mahomes can't really prepare for. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has struggled at, at times when playing Bill Belichick. But uh, I still got the Chiefs winning that one 31 to 23 just because I think the Chiefs still have a better overall team. We have too good of an offense. It's still very early in the season when Andy Reid is still able to pull things out of his bag and, you know, give the Patriots different looks. Um, So I still think the Chiefs offense is going to be good enough to get us that win. But I do think just with the new look of the Patriots with Cam Cam Newton, who is a better athlete than Tom Brady, um, they're going to be able to do some different things that maybe the NFL hasn't seen yet. So uh, that's my fifth toughest team of the uh, season. At number four, I got Denver. Um, I think Denver is actually going to be a surprise to a lot of people. Uh, I think Denver is going to be you – know, I think they're going to take that next step and probably uh, overstep the Chargers and being that number number two team, the AFC West. I still think the Chiefs are going to you know, obviously win the AFC West, but I think Denver's just got so much talent on both sides of the ball. If you look at their offense, they got Drew Locke, who I think is, you know, one of the up-and-coming quarterbacks in the league. I think he's going to be really, really good and kind of give uh, Patrick Mahomes a run for his money for the best quarterback in the division. Uh, you know, as Drew Locke kind of gets gets better and develops, um, you know, I could really see this them being a, a rivalry in the division. But, uh, you know, they also got, you know, Cortland Sutland. They also got Jerry Judy. They got two really good running backs right now. They got Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. They got a couple of good tight ends that I really like. And then on the defensive side, they got Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb. They got a pretty good secondary. They just got a pretty solid defense. So I think, you know, during week seven and week 12, whenever we're playing them, it's actually going to be kind of tough. Um, you know, and during the middle of the season, sometimes the Chiefs struggle. They have a little dip. And that's when we play Denver. We play, we play them week seven. Um, so I can see Denver kind of giving Kansas City a little bit of problems, especially at Denver. But I still have the Chiefs winning week seven against them, 27 to 24. And then they play at KC week 12. That'll be later on in the season. And I think the Chiefs will be clicking and kind of getting into playoff mode. And then I'll have them winning 34 to 20 there. Uh, My number three toughest team is going to be Tampa Bay. Um, You know, they get Tom Brady in the offseason. They got a really good offense right now. I really like what they did. I know Tom Brady is getting older, but I still think he's a competent quarterback and, you know, he's going to make the right read. He's going to do the right stuff. Um, hopefully, well, hopefully not if you're a Chiefs fan that the athleticism doesn't keep up, but I think he's still got a little bit left in the tank. They got a really good receiver talent with Mike Evans uh, and Chris Godwin. And then they have great tight ends with um, Rob Gronkowski and a couple of other ones. I know they brought in another guy at tight end, uh, but I still got the Chiefs winning here. 38 to 30. I think it's going to be a shootout, but I think the Chiefs are still going to pull it off. Uh, it's going to be later on in the season, week 11, and the Chiefs are probably going to need to win that game if they're going to want to get the number one seed, especially with you know how tight it's going to be with Baltimore. So uh, near the end of the season, I really think that they're going to be playing their best football, and that's when they end up playing Tampa Bay. But that's probably going to be one of our toughest games of the season. And number two, I got the Saints. Uh, this is going to be week 14. Uh, it's going to be near the end of the season. The Saints are also going to be competing with the Bucks to win their division. Uh, I think it's going to come down to, you know, the last few weeks with them. So uh, I really think New Orleans is going to really have to play their best football right here. I don't know if the Chiefs will necessarily have their division locked up quite yet, but uh, I think they'll almost pretty much have it locked up then. So I actually had the Chiefs losing to the Saints just because the Saints have such a good offense. They have a pretty good defense, and I think the Saints are just going to need to be playing their best football at the moment, um, especially near the end of the season. Um, hopefully the Chiefs can come out with a win here, but I have them losing 25-30 to 30 in a really close game. I just think with it also being Drew Brees' last year, he's going to you know put everything he has into the season, and uh, I think this is going to be a must-win game for the Saints, and I think they're just going to get the slight edge over the Chiefs. But uh, it's definitely going to be a really tough game. Um, but my number one team, which I think is pretty obvious, it's going to be Baltimore. This is going to be week three, September 28th. This is going to be one of those games that's must-see TV. It's Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson, you know, round three. Um, the Baltimore's gotten better. They added some really good players this offseason. They added uh, – Campbell from the Jaguars, who's one of the better defensive linemen in the league. They still got Marcus Peters, Earl Thomas, you know, in the secondary. 
And then, of course, their offense is still going to be super good with Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, uh, Hollywood Brown. There's going to be a lot of stuff they can do. They've only gotten better. I think Lamar Jackson is going to take another step this season. Um, I still have the Chiefs winning this game, though, just because it's just early on in the season. Andy Reid is able to pull things out of the bag that that the NFL hasn't seen before. He always seems, you know, in the beginning of the season to do things that the NFL hasn't seen. I don't think Baltimore is going to be ready for that just because, you know, it's so early on in the season. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs usually start pretty hot and they do really well. So I got the Chiefs winning against Baltimore 31-20. to but that's definitely going to be the number one game of the season. It's going to be the toughest team we play. We'll probably meet them in the AFC Championship because it just seems like these are two Titans just, you know, who are destined to meet in the AFC Championship. And you know, likely one of these teams will be going to the Super Bowl this year. Okay, so that's your five. And I, I, do, I do like the way you ordered it. Now, I just have to point out one thing. Maybe it's because I don't see it, but – the Denver Broncos, there's just so much hype behind, you know, what Drew Locke could be and their whole wide receiver core and the young, the young players they brought in. I just don't see it. And uh, maybe you got to help me out here, Mitch. What is it about Drew Locke that makes him so special? I guess it's just because he's a Missouri guy. I've always had a little bit of love for him. But, you know, what I saw last year from him was actually really, really positive. He went three and one. The only game he lost was to the Chiefs, and that's when the Chiefs were playing their best defense. I mean, we saw him make some really good plays. I really think, you know, this is going to be his second year, second year in the league. It's going to be his first year starting completely. And I really think just with the weapons they have around him, they got two really good running backs, so they can run the ball. They can give him some help there. And they got some really good receivers on the outside with Cortland Sutland. And then they also have Noah Fant. And then we also got this Jerry Judy who I think is going to be one of the best receivers in the league if, if he comes out and plays like he did in college. He's got so many weapons, and then they have a competent defense to, you know, help him whenever he struggles and maybe keep some games kind of low, keep him in some games. Um, so it's not necessarily just Drew Locke and why I'm so confident in the Broncos to kind of be that number two team in the AFC West and kind of overtake the Chargers in that spot. But I think this all together, they have a pretty solid team, and as a, as a football fan, I'm really excited to see what they do. But as a Chiefs fan, I'm just kind of scared that, you know, maybe if, Chiefs, if the Chiefs drop a few games, they might be able to take that next step and maybe win the division, especially if the Chiefs, you know, have a slow start or maybe like this have a really slump part of the season where they just don't win a lot of games. Um, I think Broncos are a team that Chiefs fans need to be concerned about moving forward. Definitely could be a team on the rise. And, of course, that defense is what it is. When you have Von Miller, there's always an opportunity there. Um, and, you know, what you said about possibly uh, being the second-best quarterback in the division, we can't sleep on the fact Justin Herbert, we don't know if he's going to play right away. But um, the guy has a lot of skills, and I think he's a player that, that a lot of people are sleeping on because of the Chargers situation. But I think he's going to end up being a pretty good quarterback just from what I saw in college and – and I just think he fits that system perfect for them. Um, another another team on that list, you, you talked about the Saints and obviously everything with Drew Brees and even had the Saints winning that game. Drew Brees has now become a little more injury prone as he's getting older. What is the, you know, the backup situation? Obviously, Jameis Winston. Should you just say, like, Jameis Winston would be the guy you'd be a little worried about possibly around that time? Um, yeah, I, I – I... Jameis Winston's a competent quarterback. I think he can do some things. Uh, the offense is super good still with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. So even if Drew Brees is out, I still think Jameis Winston can still get the job done. I will say if Jameis Winston's playing, I still feel a little bit more confident that – I feel I would feel more confident that the Chiefs will win that game. But since I can't really predict injuries, I'm just going to assume Drew Brees will be available at that time. And I, I'm thinking it's going to be a must-win game for the Saints. And I think that they just get that job that job done, especially since it's in New Orleans. It's a really tough place to play. Um, and then the Chiefs kind of maybe will have, you know, a bad game. You know, they're going to have to lose a game eventually. I don't think we're going to go 16-0. and 0. Uh, The Saints is definitely a team that I can see us losing to just because it's so late in the season. And they're a Super Bowl contender also. Okay, I definitely I hear you on that one. And then obviously we're with the Ravens at number one. So I definitely get the list, Mitch. Uh, thank you very much for that one. Talon, you're actually the, the, the innovator of this list. This was your idea. Now I have to give you your official uh, praise for this, okay? You know? <laughs> it was, Mitch, like I said, you came up with the last couple, couple of weeks, but this time I got to give it to Talon. 
It was my fault, Talon. It's your it's your list now. What do you have at number five? <laughs> hey, hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. Nobody's perfect. Um, but hey, it's it's crazy because our lists are eerily very similar, almost identical actually. Um, but at my number five, I actually have the Broncos as well. I I was shocked when I heard you say the Broncos. I, I thought I was gonna have a sneak sneaky one in there, but yeah, I have the Broncos as well. Um, everything Mitch said is is I'm I agree with. I think Drew Locke is gonna be a stud in this league. And the main reason I have the Broncos on the list is not necessarily I don't know if they're gonna be uh so tough necessarily this year, but I do think they're going to surprise a lot of people. Um, I, I do have the Chiefs winning that game 35-24. I mean, obviously they play them twice. So I think it's going to be similar. I mean, but when you look at last year, the Chiefs beat the Broncos. They held them to three points and six points respectively, and, and you know the Chiefs offense, you know, blew up the scoreboard each time, even with Matt Moore. So it's still going to be a relatively – not easy one, but it's going to be a handedly one game by the Chiefs. But I do think the Broncos are going to be able to put points up on the board. Uh, I love what they did in these past few drafts. Uh, I love Drew Locke. He went from being a Lee Summit Tiger to a Missouri Tiger. And now, unfortunately, he's a Denver Bronco. Um, but when you look at the, the the receiving core, the young receiving core, Jared Judy, K.J. Hamler, Cortland Sutton at SMU, who's a, who's going to be a stud. He's going to be that number one receiver. He's going to be a – he's not only a goal line threat, but he's a he's just a big body receiver who can get the tough yardage, and and he's going to be a tough guy to match up with with, with our secondary. Um, and past that, yeah, with the running game, Melvin Gordon, the, the new addition from the Chargers, and Phil Blinsey. And you can even throw Royce Freeman in there. He might be able to get a few yards here and there. But I really like their offense. Their offensive line is the biggest question mark. I think their interior offensive line with Glasgow, the rookie Cushenberry, and Reisner. Very good, underrated offensive line, young offensive line. I think that's going to be their their focal point with that new running game intact. In and then their tight end room with the with the former team at a lock, um, Oku Oh, man, I, I always butcher his name. Okuwe Boonham, I think. Um, we'll just call him Albert O. Uh, and then, obviously, Noah Fant, the rookie from last year. And then the defense, yeah, A.J. Bowie, Von Miller. Uh, you, you know, you can throw out tons of names. Bradley Chubb, Justin Simmons. They have a good defense. So, it's there's no defense in the NFL that can stop the Chiefs. It's just, it's just not possible. Um, but I do think they're going to give them a little bit of fits. But I do have the Chiefs one in that game, 35-24. And then I think both games are going to be – kind of similar no matter where they're playing and then uh my number four I have the Buccaneers I have the Chiefs winning that game 31 to 24 uh the Buccaneers were a decent team last year going nine and seven with Jameis Winston and and you know he I think he had like 16 interceptions or something like that and now they got Tom Brady who he's not the Tom Brady of you know five ten years ago but he's still Tom Brady he's going to be able to uh orchestrate that offense to to you know, the best of his ability. And when you look at the, the weak point of, of, of the Buccaneers, it's the running game. You know, they, they, they brought in LaShawn McCoy. They have Ronald Jones, who really hadn't lived up to the hype. Uh, they have the rookie Keyshawn Bond, who is questionable how available he's even going to be this season. But when you look past the running game, everything else is kind of golden. They have a, a decent offensive line. I'm not going to say it's a, it's a top five, probably top ten offensive line, but but when you look at those receivers and the, those tight ends and, and what Tom Brady has at his disposal in the, in the aerial offense, it's, it's pretty scary. You know, like, like Mitch said, Evans, Godwin, uh, the rookie out of Minnesota, Tyler Johnson is probably going to help out a little bit. Uh, and then obviously Gronk and Bray and OJ Howard. It's just a really great aerial offense. I think as long as they can keep that intact and force the Buccaneers to ground and pound it, I think that puts the Chiefs in the best position to win. I, and like I said, I have them winning 31-24. Uh, moving on to my number three, I have the Buffalo Bills. I am a big fan of the Buffalo Bills. I was a big fan of them last year. I like what they're doing. I love that they extended the head coach. I think he's one of the best young head coaches in the NFL. <clears throat> when you look at their offense, Josh Allen is what he is. They, they know what, he, what they have in Josh Allen. They know what he is, and they know what he isn't. Uh, they brought in Stephon Diggs over the offseason. They have John Brown, who's the speedster. They have Cole Beasley, who, who's that kind of a, the scat back, if you will, of the receiving core. And then when you look, look at the offensive line, it, it's solid from tackle to tackle. And then they're, they're uh, young and impressive running game. You have Devin Singletary, who's been thrown around. It's a hot name around the breakout stars of 2020. Then you got TJ Yeldon, who – uh, is a very solid backup, spent some productive years in Jacksonville before going to Buffalo. And then the rookie, Zach Moss, out of Utah. Uh, I used to cover the Pac-12, and, and Zach Moss is such a good running back. It, had he gone to any other university – I mean, Utah was a great team last year. Uh, but he, had he gone to, like, a higher-profile 
school. I, in my opinion, I think he would have been a lot more prolific, and I think a lot more people would know about Zach Moss, and I think they're going to know about Zach Moss after 2020. He's a very good running back, really sneakily good uh, third-round pick for the Bills. That running game is going to be scary behind that offensive line and, and with the offensive weapons they have in their receiving game. And then the defense, that's obviously the strength of the Bills. Uh, you know, Josh Norman is kind of on the back nine, but he's still a productive cornerback. They have Tredavious White, who at first opted out, but then he decided to opt in. And so he, they, they do have Tredavious White, who's probably, you know, he's definitely the best secondary player on that team, arguably the best defender on the entire defense. Uh, but when you look at the front seven, Ed Oliver, Vernon Butler, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, the, the young linebacker, it's just, it's a scary front seven. Even the depth they have with the Stanford guy, Harrison Phillips, uh, coming in to dispel those interior defensive linemen. It's just, it's a scary looking defense on paper, but even scarier on the field. So Buffalo is going to be a, a tough matchup. I do have the Chiefs winning 30 to 20, um, but I do think it's going to be a tougher matchup than a lot of people are anticipating. And then my number two, a little bit surprising maybe, I have the Ravens, um, which even though I have the number two, I do have the Chiefs losing this matchup 30-27. to 27. And the reason for that is the Baltimore Ravens, after losing to the Chiefs last year and, and you know, then going on that run and, and, and Lamar Jackson's emergence and the MVP season and, and being on the cover of Madden and the hype around Lamar and all that stuff, the, 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 the Ravens have this game circled on their schedule. They, they are looking forward to this. They're not going to overlook the first two games, but this game is important to the, to the Ravens. It's, it's back in it's, – it's in Baltimore. Last year was in Kansas City. Now it's in the Ravens' house. They're amped up for this game. I guarantee you the Ravens are going to come in here fired up. They want to prove that they are the team in the AFC to beat. Everybody's hyping the Chiefs. Obviously, it's well-deserved. They're the, they're the defending Super Bowl champions, but the Ravens are going to be looking to, to, to throw a knockout punch here. And uh, – I do think they get the W in week three, but like Mitch alluded to, I do think they have a rematch in the playoffs, which, you know, the best teams emerge in the playoffs, and that's when the the wins really do matter, and I think the Chiefs get them back in the playoffs. But I do like the Ravens. Um, I like what they do with their offense. I like what they do with their defense. I think they're just a well all-around very good team, talent everywhere. Going to be hard to compete with that in their home. Uh, week three, uh, you know, we start off with the Texans and then, you know, we have a, a road game with the Chargers and then we got to go on the road again with Baltimore. That's a West Coast game and then we got an East Coast game. That, that the travel and all that stuff, all, I think all that is just going to be the perfect storm for the Ravens to take over the Chiefs in week three. Um, but if you're going to lose a game, I'd rather lose in week three than, than, you know, divisional game. And then my number one, I have the Saints. I think the Saints are a scary team. It's going to be late in the season uh, given the AFC West opponents. I do think the Chiefs might actually have that game or ha might have the division wrapped up by that point. So who knows? You know, I, I think the starters will be playing, but I don't think the Chiefs are going to be playing for as much as the Saints are going to be playing for. The Saints are in a tough division. Buccaneers, Falcons are going to be a problem. And then the Panthers, you know, you say, say what you will, but they're, they might be a 500 team by, by the end of the season. So the Saints are going to be playing for possibly a division title, possibly a playoff berth. So it's going to be tough. Um, I do have the, the Chiefs do – I have them winning that game 34-28. to 28, But with Drew Brees at the helm, with the running game of Alvin Kamara and the backup in Latavius Murray, and you can throw in even Ty Montgomery who spent time in Green Bay and then, he, you know, he, now he's in New Orleans. Uh, and then with, uh, with the receiving core, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. They have the best receiver in the game in Michael Thomas. Uh, the, the tight end room is not nothing to write home about, but I do think they have a top five offensive line. And, and Ed, you mentioned the the injury, you know, probability of Drew Brees by that point in time. I think behind that offensive line and with the strength of the running game, the, the offense does not have to go through Drew Brees. And I don't think teams are really going to be able to even get to Drew Brees that much with the offensive line they have in front of them. Uh, they can go through Alvin Kamara. They can take a lot of pressure off of Drew Brees, and Drew Brees has Michael Thomas. He has Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he has Traquan Smith. He has a good offensive arsenal to really kind of lean on, and I, I don't think the injury – I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. Um, but then when you look at the defense, that's probably uh, – you know – the Chiefs are going to be able to put up a lot of points against that defense. It's, it's it's nothing like it used to be. It's still good. It's a very you know formidable defense, but I don't think it's 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 got the weapons that necessary to to necessarily slow down the Chiefs. So I do think the Chiefs are going to be able to do whatever they want to do, uh, and I do have the Chiefs winning that game, thirty four to twenty eight, late in the season. Um, but I do think it's going to be a tough game, uh, given the, the 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 time of the year it's going to be, given the the divisional you know matchups and stuff like that I do think it's gonna be a tough game just because they're gonna be playing for a lot more but anyway yeah that's my five through one 
It's, it's very uh, interesting. Obviously, you guys had similar uh, choices, but uh, the order was different. And, uh, you know, the ones that stuck out to me in terms of talent, what you were just saying, uh, I just want to start off with the Buccaneers. And uh, you guys both had the Buccaneers there. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. We know he's the he's quite arguably the greatest of all time at this point. I know there's a lot of, you know, Patrick Mahomes, but not yet. But uh, Tom Brady's quite arguably the greatest of all time. But he's still, you know, he's approaching his mid-40s right now. Mm-hmm. You also got Rob Gronkowski, who missed a year of football. And you have a team that, uh, you know, as they had a lot of talented players last year. Not all those interceptions were Winston's fault. So, yes, the Buccaneers are, are looking good on paper. But when you see this team and the way they match up with, this, with the Chiefs, you know, realistically, in terms of the Chiefs' defense and the weapons they have on offense with the uh, Buccaneers that are still going to be trying to figure it out, you don't think that maybe the, the Chiefs will kind of steamroll in that type of matchup? You know, I, I, don't, I don't believe so. And, and to speak to your point about the not all the interceptions being Jameis Winston's fault, you're 100% correct. Um, but playing with Jameis Winston versus playing with the Tom Brady – on the field, of course, it's going to be different. But not only that, it's a different vibe in the locker room. It's a different vibe in the film room. It's just a different vibe in general. When when you got a guy like Tom Brady, you know that you're playing with the greatest of all time. So you're going to step up your game even more. If you're Mike Evans, if you're Chris Godwin, you know, if you're your off, the offensive line in front of him, even if you're O.J. Howard or even Gronk, you know that you're playing with one of the greatest of all times. So if, if you're losing, it's not going to be put on Tom Brady. It's going to be put on you. So you're stepping up your game because you know that no matter what, you have a chance to win with Tom Brady. The leadership qualities in Tom Brady versus Jameis Winston, you can't even compare them. Jameis Winston has always kind of had that that baggage with him, that leadership, you know, how good of a leader is he? Even at Florida State, he got into t- t- issues and there's issues in, in Tampa. With Tom, those issues aren't around. So you know that offense is going to be on point all the time. They're going to be giving it their all. They're going to be trying to, to, to play at their – very best ability to live up to the hype that Tom Brady is bringing with him. So with all those factors, yeah, I, I do think Tampa's going to be at the top of their game every single week, you know, as, as best as possible. Okay. I definitely hear you on that one. Now, the other big choice, and I, I just listening to you, if I didn't know, like we were doing a, a podcast about the chiefs, <laughs> man, you are a big Buffalo bills fan. I mean, <laughs> The detail in terms of the players and the, and the different things you saw, like, just – I'm trying to really, you know, wrap my head around it. Like, I think the Bills are a good team. Don't get me wrong. I like a lot of stuff you were saying, especially the defense, because that's been their calling card for the last couple of years now. Um, Josh Allen, the strong arm, that's basically his whole thing, and uh, being able to run the football. Do you really believe they will – they could challenge the Chiefs in a game? I, I just feel like, yes, Diggs is a great pickup. You know, he's a legit wide receiver, a legit number one. But can they really challenge the Chiefs, you know, down the field? Can Josh Allen really move the football on the Chiefs' defense, which has also gotten better? Yeah, yeah, I think they do. I think their offensive line is very underrated. Cody Ford last year as a rookie starting at right tackle. You know, he was a rookie. Rookie offensive line, they're going to struggle. But now he's a big-body guy coming out of a great program in Oklahoma. They extended Deion Dawkins who's a really young and up-and-comer at left tackle. They, so their, their two-tackle tandem is, is really impressive. And then their, their interior offensive line with Brian Winters, Mitch Morris, Quentin Spain. Their offensive line is going to – they're not going to stop, you know, the, the pressure from the Chiefs. You know, Frank Clark's going to get his sacks. Curtis Jones is going to get his tackle for losses. All that stuff's going to happen. But I do think they're going to be able to move the ball. That running game that they have with, with the running back group, the three-headed monster, if you will, our linebacking core I don't think is – where it needs to be yet to slow that running game down. And you also got to you know, think about Josh Allen, not only with the strong arm, but he's a runner too. He, he was arguably the best running quarterback right after Lamar Jackson. So with all those factors and, and the fact that our running defense struggled last year, and I don't know if the Chiefs really did enough to, to, to really step up that much in 2020 to stop, you know, to, to get that much better in the run defense, the Bills are going to be probably – outside of the Ravens, probably the best running offense in the NFL. And and that's going to be the, the focal point. That's going to be the Achilles heel of the Chiefs in this game. It's not, you know, Diggs will get his, you know, he'll, he'll get like 75, 80 yards. John Brown might get a, you know, a, a sneaky, you know, 50-yard catch or something like that. But 
the Achilles heel here in the, in the story is going to be the running game of the Bills versus the Chiefs defense and trying to stop that running game. That's, but I do think, I mean, that the running game is not going to be enough to win the game for the Bills. You know, like I said, I do have the, the Chiefs winning 30-20. to 20. But with a strong running game and a good offensive line, uh, that, that uh, equals time of possession. That equals keeping the, hit, the ball out of Mahomes' hands. Uh, and all that stuff, that gives the Bills the best chance to win. They don't win, but they do have a chance to win with that type of offense. Okay, I like that. I, I like that uh, breakdown because, like I said, I was just hearing it. I'm like, man, you know, he's really got a lot of stuff here with the Buffalo Bills, but I, I just never saw them as a great offensive team, especially with the way that playoff game ended against the Texans last year. Uh, you know, I just never really – pictured them being a challenger to the uh, Chiefs. But I, I see your point. I definitely see where you're coming from. And I do want to throw in one more question for both of you guys. And this is regarding the uh, Baltimore Ravens. You both had the Ravens in your top two. When it comes to Lamar Jackson, all the great stuff he did last season, he kind of fell apart in the uh, playoff game against the Titans. Do you believe the Chiefs or any other team is going to be following what the Titans did in that game in terms of formation, schemes, anything to make them uncomfortable? Or, or was that kind of just like a, a one-time thing? And Mitch, I'm going to go with you on that one first. So I don't necessarily believe it was just kind of like what the Titans did. Um, the Titans were able to get a couple of turnovers early and then kind of, you know, get a, a lead on the Ravens, uh, you know, and it kind of forced Lamar Jackson to throw the ball. I think Lamar Jackson, you know, is a, a legit quarterback in the league, but it's obvious, you know, his arm talent lacks compared to his running ability. So I think as long as the Chiefs can get a lead early, they're going to be able to win that game. Um, but if it's a close game and Lamar Jackson is able to throw, to, uh, able to run the ball, you know, just as much or as more uh, than he is to throw, um, it's definitely going to be a lot closer. So I think, you know, with what the Titans did, they're just able to get that lead early and just able to hang on to it and kind of force Lamar Jackson to throw. He threw a couple of interceptions near, you know, near, near the end of the game. Uh, in the playoffs, so I don't necessarily think that's the Titans did anything special. I don't think the Chiefs are going to copy them. I think it's going to be so early in the season that you know Andy Reid's going to have his own his own cards up his sleeve that he's going to throw out there and cause you know cause the Ravens have cause the Ravens to play catch up. Overall, that's uh, I just think the Chiefs are going to have that you know that firepower early and then force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball. Yeah, and and when you look at the stat line of that game, it's you would be surprised that the the Ravens lost that game. You know, Jackson threw for 365 yards. He rushed for 143. And the story of that game was Derrick Henry, nearly 200 yards rushing. Uh, Tannehill didn't do much. You know, he did what he needed to. The biggest difference was the touchdowns and the turnovers. If you shore up the, the turnovers, Ravens win that game. If the Ravens don't turn that ball over, it's a completely different game, and the Chiefs are going to Baltimore for the AFC Championship. It's it's not necessary. It was kind of a lightning in the bottle situation, if you will. So I don't think there's really a, a blueprint to follow. I think it was just kind of that's just that's how the season was meant to be last year. It, it sounds weird and it sounds kind of you know cosmic or whatever, but I just think that's how it is and that's how football goes sometimes. There's not always a rhyme or reason to why stuff happens. I think that's different this year, and I think last year the running game was a focal point for the for the Ravens. The tight ends were very. Uh, instrumental in the offensive production I think they're going to focus a lot more on the receivers they had two rookie receivers last year and Boykin and Marquise Brown I think both those guys step up big time this year they have Willie Sneed um, who's been a sneaky good player uh, his entire career so I do think that they're going to be more focused on getting the ball in receivers hands uh, and, and allowing tight ends to kind of be a secondary focal point I do think that obviously the tight ends with, the, with what they have it's going to be you know part of the offense but I do think Brown and Boykin are going to be a lot bigger part of the offense so I think it's going to be a lot different looking offense they're still going to be uh, a very scary rushing attack but I do think with Lamar Jackson and Miles Boykin and Marquise Brown those three are going to really dictate how big of a step the Ravens take this year it should be interesting. Like I said, this has been a big matchup. Everybody's talking about it. Matchup against the Ravens again. Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be fun. But first of all things, we have to get ready for September 10th. It's almost here, guys. It's literally almost here. We almost have live football back for the new NFL season. And this is the time when we uh, step aside until next week. 
Mitch, Talon, it's been great. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm, I'm getting better at a lot. Honestly, man, I got a great coach in uh, Coach Madhouse, and he's teaching me a lot about the small details of playing linebacker and, like, watching the older guys like Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson play the position that, that, that I'm, you know, trying to play. Uh, just really the details of it, the small things I'm getting better at, and it's paying off for me. Let's go to Seren Petro. Go ahead, Seren. Willie, I'm curious. Uh, Chiefs have made a big splash here in the offseason, getting a lot of big contracts done. Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey. Uh, listen, you know, the, the contract you get as a second-round pick is nothing to sneeze at, right? A lot of people love to have that deal. But sure. when you see those mega deals that those guys are signing, what, what goes through your head as a young guy just coming into the league and seeing all those zeros behind some of those contracts? Well, you know, uh, as a rookie, man, I'm just playing my role. But – you know, I definitely have a dream one day of, you know, doing what I need to do today to make sure in three, four years I'm in that same position, you know, however long it takes. So, whether I mean, I hope it's here, you know, uh, I can continue to, uh, to continue out my career here in Kansas City because it's a great city, great team, you know. Uh, shoot, man, I just dream of stuff like that. So, I'm working towards it for sure. Let's go to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Willie, uh, you talked a minute ago about Coach House and how he's um... – He's a great coach, and he's helping you out. Can you be specific some of the things he's doing to help you um, kind of get ready for the season? Uh, man, Coach House is just one of those coaches. He uh, It's just a lot of tough love. You know, he's going to tell you when you're wrong, and he's going to tell you exactly – he's going to uh, pat you on the back when you're right. But a lot of times it's just – it's just he, he, pinpoint, he pinpoint everything from small details to big things. And each and every day, you know, I'm – it's never a perfect day for me. I'm always getting better at something when it comes to Coach House coaching me. So it's great. Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Willie, I have two questions for you. The first is, you know, some rookies have said that this feels similar to college, obviously, because you don't have preseason games to get adjusted to the league. I just wonder for you, how much is that true? And just what are you noticing um, that feels somewhat similar to what you did, obviously, the last few years at Mississippi State? And then secondly, because you're not having preseason games, you are going up against one of the fastest, if not the fastest, offense on the field and obviously a, a talented quarterback in Mahomes. Uh, just how much do you think they're helping you get prepared for what you may see on the speed of the game in those first few weeks in the NFL? Well, you know, it's, you know it's, we don't have a lot of time right now to the first game. Everybody knows that. But we just got to take every day. And uh, as rookies, we, we're picking up on it fast. I mean, sometimes it's, it's rough. You know, we're like, okay, we – pros now so it won't it won't be as long until the game comes and it's it's not as easy no more so but we got an advantage over here in Kansas City when you're playing against offense like ours man in practice like you see some crazy stuff you know so like when you see that it's like okay I know everybody in the league can't do what this guy's doing at quarterback or running back or receiver you know so it's, it's definitely making us a lot better so Let's go to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Willie. Um, a couple things. I'm wondering, are you learning all three linebacker positions right now, and what's your comfort level at each of those? And then, um, well, just actually that the last one answered my second one. So just, just your comfort level at all three linebacker positions. Oh, really, I'm just playing two spots right now. I'm Sam and base in the base package, and I'm, I'm the buck linebacker in the nickel in the, in the Buffalo package. And, Really just, just trying to get better at each, you know, uh, watching Damian Wilson, you know, somebody that I play behind in both spots and uh, trying to get better each and every day, just seeing how he does everything and the details from big to small and just trying to just, just like I said, just get better at, at both of those. So, Looks like we've got three hands up. Let's go Pete, Robert, and then Seren. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Willie, one thing Coach Spagnuolo noted is just how much you love to play the game. So I'm sure you're enjoying the nonstop football as compared to college. I was curious, what is your favorite part of being a pro so far now that you've gone through a few padded practices at training camp? Well, it's just football. You know, I don't I don't have to go to study hall after. I don't have to study for a test. You know, when I go home after practice, man, it's I watch TV and I study football, you know, or or I watch football, I watch practice or 
I look over plays, you know, it's just football in my regular life. So I could do that for the next 12, 10, 12 years, man. So it's great. Let's go to Robert. Go ahead, Robert. Um, so the Chiefs posted that clip the other day of you and Clyde going out and in practice and you kind of batting a ball away. Uh, I'm just curious how those kind of battles between you and camp are going and are you having a good time, you know, going up against a running back like that? Oh, yeah, man. You know, every day, well, when we were doing the uh, one-on-ones, you know, it was like a battle every day. You know, I wasn't always winning, so they got me on a good day. So, uh, but it's definitely days where, you know, we both get better better, and uh, we're making each other better. And and uh, you go up against guys like like uh, Kaiser on, at the tight end position, and, you know, he's making me better each and every day. And running backs, all three running backs, four running backs, and like it's just it's a great competition out, out there. Let's go to Saran. Go ahead, Saran. Well, we, we talked uh, with uh, a couple of the veterans uh, yesterday and talking about how everyone's, you know, trying to do their best to make sure that they don't get sick, right? It's a, it's a new environment that everyone's got to deal with. We pointed out that, you know, one of the young guys up in Seattle uh, ended up getting cut. He violated things. And just, like, how you guys go about talking amongst yourselves, you know, trying to be there for each other, you know, Leagues are doing it different ways. The NBA have what, you know, the guys are calling a quote-unquote snitch line. Mm-hmm. Like, if anybody got out of line, you know, he calls somebody yeah. up. Like, just as, as a rookie, I'm curious. I heard the veterans, but as a rookie, how are you guys in, in, the, in the team, amongst your teammates, but coaches and everybody, just what's the word amongst each other and how you guys are trying to keep each other uh, safe? Man, as rookies, once again, we're just playing our role, man. Uh, we go straight home after practice. We, uh, we wash our hands, do whatever they ask of us to do, and uh, – stay out of bars and clubs and, and out of big places where a lot of people might be. So, I mean, that's all we can do, you know, and hope for the best. Willie, we had one more join in late. Uh, Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate, and close us out. Hey, Willie, I, I just thought of this. Um, and I wonder because Matt House used to coach at Kentucky in the SEC and obviously being uh, recruiting down there in the, in the South, I just wonder how far does your relationship go back with Matt? Did Matt ever – uh, recruit you or did it really just start with the draft process? It really just started with the draft. I really didn't know that he was the coach for Kentucky until like the draft time came around and uh, when I met with the team and then they told me that this was Kentucky's uh, coach and I was like oh man so and I remember the great defense that they had you know my sophomore year and so yeah it was a great fit for me so. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. Mm-hmm.